Hello, everyone, and welcome to the First Loved Podcast. Well, I hope you enjoyed the series on the doxologies. I had a great time doing them. Over the next four weeks, we're going to do something a little bit different. I had an opportunity to have an interview with one of my brother-in-laws. It's Robin's youngest brother, Paul, who at 18 had a motorcycle accident that paralyzed him from the sternum down. So he has his arms. And he's 42 now, so he's spent the last 24 years in this wheelchair. And I've talked at different times about suffering, but overall, I'm talking as one who doesn't know it that well. I'm currently a a sufferer at some level. Most of you know now that I have type 2 diabetes and I have neuropathy in my feet, so I have a measure of chronic pain. And especially with the diabetes, the toughest part about that is simply all the things I can't eat. Thankfully, I can eat, and the things I can eat, I do like, but I'm still very aware at times of what I can't. Well, that happened recently, and it led to this conversation with my brother Paul. September 15th, my fourth child, Nathan, got married. We had an incredibly fun time, and everybody from Robin's family came and from my family came that could come. And Afterwards, of course, we are on the dance floor, and for those of you that know me, this will be no surprise to you, but for those of you who don't, I love to dance. My senior year in high school, I was voted the best dancer in the class, mostly just because I was not inhibited and just made a fool of myself. But anyway, I love to dance, and especially at different weddings and things, I'd come home with my suit soaked through and through. So now my kids are all grown up, and they're friends, and our friends, and everybody's dancing. To wear shoes and socks are incredibly painful to me, but in order to dance and have fun, I want my leather shoes on because they're slippery. Well, anyway, I'm trying to dance, but I can only last about two or three because my feet would just start hurting so badly. I'd have to go take them off and give them a rest and do it again. And, And I'm watching everybody else having fun. They keep trying to get me to come back out, and I have to keep saying, no, I I can't. And I'll, I'll do the best I can to get back out there. Well, I'm so aware of what I'm missing. The dessert comes out. I can't eat the dessert. There's various things to drink. I can't drink. Only parts of the dinner can I eat. I look across a couple of tables over, and there's my brother-in-law, Paul, sitting in the wheelchair watching everybody dance. I couldn't help but wonder, how is he dealing with this? Does he feel like me where I'm missing out now? There's things I can't do anymore and are very difficult, things I can't eat, things I can't do. And I was just wondering how he was doing with the fact that he can't dance, that he can't join them at all. And so I went over to his table and I asked him, I said, Paul, you know, how long did it take for you to stop missing things? To, yeah, how long did it take for you to get to that point that you were at peace and acceptance with what you can't do? And so he shared some things with me and it was tough to hear over all the music and all the commotion. But there was a number of things he said to me that really touched me and were very powerful. And so the wedding was on a Friday night. So two days later, Paul and his wife, Robin, which gets confusing because my wife is Robin. (laughs) My Robin is Paul's sister. Anyhow, I asked Paul, would he mind if I turned the recorder on on my phone and could we revisit that conversation? Because there was just a lot of good stuff that he said. So Paul and Robin and me and Robin were sitting there eating, and sadly, a lot of this stuff (laughs) didn't realize how much of the eating was going to be recorded. So we couldn't capture everything, but Peter Van Tyne, my wonder man, found a way to edit enough stuff that wouldn't be distracting to you and that you would be benefited by. So 
Listen to Paul as he answers that question about how do you cope with what you can't do anymore? So in terms of coming to grips with not being able to do stuff that you used to be able to, right. I was talking with somebody actually about this a few weeks ago, and it was in the context of getting old. Mm. And I said, yeah, well, I get that. I get, and that happened really quick when I had my accident. Mm. But there, there are times that it still gets to me, and the attacks will come in, and I have to keep my eyes on him. But it's helpful to have an understanding that, okay, this is where God has me. His charge to me is to serve him with my disability. So therefore, I need to keep my eyes on him, knowing that my hope is not in this life. The goal is not to get all those blessings to walk now. My eyes need to be set on him because eternity's going to be a long time. And I'm going to be running and jumping and dancing for a long time. But that's not now. And I think that's part of maturity as well is being able to be okay with a delayed blessing, being satisfied with the blessing is later. And so I am okay with my disability now. One thing that is coming to mind right now is a a portion of my testimony, probably a few years ago at this point, I think it's Romans 9.3 where Paul says, I wish that I were a curse so that you would know Christ. Mm-hmm. And I love the verse right before he because he says, I, I tell you the truth, because to me, he's setting them up just to say, I'm going to say something really hard. Mm-hmm. But I one day I read that and I just, I went into tears because I was like, God, I don't love people like this. Paul was willing to give you up and go to hell so that other people would know. I, I don't love you like this. I mean, if I'm sitting across from somebody and I tell them about Christ and they say, you know what, that's not for me, my answer is, you know what, that's okay, you can go to hell, I'm going to heaven. When push comes to shove, I want to make sure I get in. I don't love people like that where I would be willing to lay down my life like that. And so I pray, God, work this, work this into me, work this kind of love into me. So it was a few months later, I got a chance to speak down at the city mission and give my testimony. And so I gave it, and afterwards, some guys were coming by, shaking my hand and stuff, and there's this one guy who goes, you know what, thank you for coming, I really appreciate it. it was, he goes, but I tell you, I believe the next time I see you, you're gonna be walking. And I said, I appreciate that, I really do, but you know what, it's not about that. It, it's not about walking, it's, it's about knowing Jesus and being a light to him for people who don't. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that, but, but you're going you're gonna to be walking the next time. I, I know it. And so we went back and forth on this a few times, and I just it was just going over his head. So I was like, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Left it at that. But there was something about that conversation that kind of just bugged me. It was something I was wrestling with about it. And a few days went by, and it hit me. What I was wrestling with was the idea that I don't want to walk. Is it even okay to be thinking the thoughts that I don't want to walk? And he showed me it's because if I were to just all of a sudden walk, start walking, and then I minister to somebody, they can always come back to, well, of course you love Jesus because of what he's done for you. He's healed you, you're not walking. Of course you love him. But when I do it now, I, I have more chance of it being real for them. 
because it's not about what I got out of it. It was truly out of my relationship with him in that through all these things, or I can do any of this stuff through him who strengthens me. That is not about me getting the blessing now. Mm -hmm. It's about me being able to persevere through any circumstance and without even a hope of a positive outcome on this side of death. And so that was my real wrestle was, is it okay that I'm even thinking like this? Is, it just doesn't even seem rational. And then he said, Paul, remember that verse that you prayed? He goes, I'm working that into you to where you're willing to forego any chance of healing so that others would know Christ. Others would have a better chance of knowing Christ. That you can reach more people from the chair than you can with your healing. And you're willing to do that. Mm-hmm. That's laying your life down. He was building that into me. Mm-hmm. So ever since then, it's like, this is such a privilege to serve him yeah. with this and, and that I'm okay with it being later. I mean, I've got my heroes. Think, oh, if I could just be like him, if I can just be like him. There came a time in which I was thinking about those few people and I thought, I don't want to be like them. I want to be like me. Mm-hmm. Because I'm so excited about what God is doing in me that I don't want to be anybody else because I'm going to miss out on what God is doing in me. Interestingly enough, where it's like I came out of my shell because of my disability when with so many people, maybe that would put them into a shell. Mm -hmm. But I came out and who I am and who I am is really not what I can do, but who God has made me to be and how he's using me in that there is no circumstance that is going to bring me down to some extent. It's okay, bring it on. Yeah, I mean, exactly. w- w- what's challenging though is when Satan comes after my family. That's when I get mad. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. when I get angry. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back and change anything. Just out of the simple idea that I really think if I hadn't had my accident, I would have missed out on all of this. Right. There are some things that you only get through suffering, and there is a reason why. I mean, my favorite verses are Philippians 9, 10, and 11, where I want to know Christ, I want to know the power of his resurrection, and I want to fellowship in the sharing of his suffering. Fellowship in the sharing of his suffering. That means I get to know him in the midst of the suffering. And, I mean, we can, even Robin, Robin, there's nobody on this planet that knows me better than Robin. But somebody else can wheel in a wheelchair here, and I will have a connection with them without ever knowing them that Robin and I won't have because we have that common suffering. There's an intimacy that we get when we suffer as a believer. So therefore, when that keeps going in Philippians and it goes on to say, um, becoming like him in his death to somehow, in some way, attain to the resurrection and that that's our hope. The hope isn't the healing now. The hope is the resurrection. That's where our hope is. And so often I get sometimes frustrated speaking with some people and that they want that blessing now. They want that mm-hmm. healing now. They want things, the circumstances to be fixed now. And don't you see that when you're praying away the storm, you're also praying away the blessing. <laughs> yeah. Do you really want to do that? Mm. The eternal blessing, that's the blessing that we want. That's the eternal hope. I don't know if I would have been there either if I hadn't experienced what I'm experiencing. And it's just opportunities like this that 
or any opportunity. You just said natural, normal conversation. It, it's, it's really amazing how many of these normal little conversations that I get to have. Because somebody will ask me out of the blue, so what happened? Or I'll get out of the car at Walmart and somebody will come up and be like, oh, you know what, that's really impressive what you just did. Like, yeah, let me tell you why I can do this. I may only have 30 seconds, but that 30 seconds may be the seed to their eternity. I love life. <laughs> life is fun. It really is. When you have the mindset that, yeah, it's going to be hard. There are times it's going to be hard. But that's what we should expect. Satan, he goes after the people that are a threat. If he's not coming after you, that would make me think, what's going on if everything's just normal? Life is going to be hard, but if we really wrap our heads around the fact that I'm a sheep to be slaughtered, so therefore, God, you can do whatever you want with me as long as it brings you glory. And I will always praise your name. I will always be thankful because I feel like I am the most blessed person on earth. It says in was it Hebrews 12 that Jesus was able to endure the cross because he had his eye set on the joy that was before him. So that him being the perfecter of our faith, that's what we need to set our eyes on. On him, he is our joy. And if we do that, we can endure. Wow, right? Pretty amazing testimony, pretty amazing story. But I think what impacted me most is it reminded me about when I've talked about suffering. Paul so owns this, where the key to real estate is what? Location, location, location. Well, from Paul, I hope you heard and bore witness to what I've shared over the years that the key to enduring suffering, to walking through suffering, is perspective, perspective, perspective. Right? I hope you heard Paul's perspective that it's about keeping his eyes on Jesus, especially his perspective on the present is not what's most important in terms of his own pleasure, his own comfort. It's not about experiencing heaven now, that he is very content to see that as later because in the now, he wants to honor God with his situation. Many times over the years, I've talked about that it's not just about us, that it's really the transformation, and Paul even talked about it being mature, this delaying blessing, is that we see our present existence as primarily about God's purposes, not our pleasures. God's purposes. And in Paul's testimony, you hear the three purposes I often refer to that makes it easy for me to remember is we think about how is he using this for my growth? How is he using this for his glory? How is he using this for the gospel? Well, didn't that come through incredibly powerful? That crazy statement that he would almost not want to be healed because of the opportunities he has to give God glory, to bring him glory through how he's living out his present life to share the gospel with others, and the fact that it constantly challenges him in his own growth, in his own perspective. It's perspective, perspective, perspective. I just couldn't help but being blown away by the fact, especially at the end, he says, I love my life. <laughs> it's fun that he is enjoying his life, being himself, and he loves, like he said, that he's actually come more out of his shell because of what he's experienced with the Lord through this season. Well, again, my suffering is pretty minimal, I think, compared to what some of you might be experiencing right now. Even Paul, being without his legs, and at times there's some suffering, there's things he can't eat. And sometimes, in fact, what we weren't able to share with you is that he spent six months in bed in and out of the hospital because of sores that just wouldn't heal. So at times he's in pain for long periods of time. 
Well, I don't know where you are in your experience, but I hope listening to Paul has been an encouragement to you about perspective, about keeping our eyes on eternity, keeping our eyes on the future, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Well, I want to finish with just reminding you or letting you be reminded by Jesus that you're not in this alone, that when we keep our eyes on him, here is his response to you. Oh, beloved, remember that as you come to me, that as you seek me, as you keep your eyes on me, I am your faithful high priest who empathizes with your weaknesses because I was made like you in every way. In fact, when I suffered, I was tested and tempted just like you, and so I understand what you're going through. But I want to encourage you now to come Come to my throne of grace. Come to the Father's throne of grace with confidence. Confidence knowing that when you come, I will give you mercy and grace. You will find mercy and receive grace to help you in your time of need. You are not doing this alone. I understand. And for the joy set before me, I endured the cross. And in the end, I am now at the right hand of the Father. You as well, for the joy set before you, that you would endure what you are going through, not in your own strength, but with me with you, loving you, helping you, strengthening you. There is a joy that will come. You will have a body like mine, and you will be with me forever. So again, fix your eyes on me. Fix your eyes on what is unseen what is eternal. And know that when you come, I understand, I empathize, but most of all, I am ready, ready, ready to give you the mercy and grace that you need to help you in your time of need. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's just so awesome. We love you, we love you, we love you. And Lord, we just pray now that you would strengthen us, Empower us then to live out today with perspective, perspective, perspective. How are you working things in my life for your glory, for my growth, and for the gospel? To that end, Lord, we love you and bless you. Amen. Well, have a great day, everyone. God bless. God bless.